it's the it's the problem and the promise of preaching, which is the problem is that we are we're sinful, we're vain, we don't know everything, we get things wrong, and the promise is that God's word changes lives, and He entrusts you know men that are equipped to to do this, and that is that is the I don't know the the craziness, the 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 paradox, the dialectic, however you want to describe it, is you have this the problem and the promise. You have our own standing as fallible uh, people that do get embarrassed and are self-conscious and don't know everything and do make mistakes. And you have the promise that God is with us and that God is speaking and that God is working and changing lives. And yeah, that's that's huge. And that's and that's that is unique. That is the the mystery of of the church and how God is is changing people is through the word. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 115. My name is Mike Neglia, and thanks for joining us at the podcast. Man, I resonate so much with what uh, this week's guest, Shane England, uh, just said. I, just like you, know both of those things so well. Um, I know the promise of preaching. I know that God's word has power. And I know that the spirit of God can apply his words that he inspired through um, the preached word, through our sermons and Bible studies, can apply them powerfully to people's hearts. But then I also know the other side. I know the problem, the promise of preaching. I also know the problem of preaching. I know my shortcomings. I know my failures. I know my weaknesses uh, more than anyone. And so in this conversation, Shane and I speak about the uniqueness of God bringing together both our problems and his promise through the preaching of God's word. So this is a, a great conversation. Uh, Shane is a leader of uh, Ennis Evangelical Church on the west coast of Ireland. Um, he and I served together um, in Calvary Cork for a few years, and I've got nothing but the highest regard for him. So I know this interview is going to be uh, worth your time. Uh, hey, here's something else that is uh, worth your time as well. I just want to highlight this to you. The uh, Calvary Global Network um, International Conference is coming up. Uh, the theme is Essential Church, and it's going to be July 13th through the 16th. And the location is, you guessed it, online. <laughs> so like most things these days, um, it's going to be an online conference. This is um, replacing the annual in-person uh, event. But man, there's a great lineup of, of speakers. There's um, some people that have been on this podcast before, uh, Brian Broderson, uh, Aaron Campbell, um, Wayne Taylor, and, and others. Uh, they're gonna be joined by Matt Chandler, uh, James Meeks, and there's those are the main sessions. And there also is gonna be uh, workshops and interviews. And just a few days ago, myself, Pete Nelson, and Nick Cady we were interviewed by Kellen Criswell, and that's gonna be one of the breakout um, tracks uh, at the conference as well. So if you like what we do at the Expositors Collective, man, I wanna point you towards the Essential Church Conference. There's fantastic main speakers, and then also we're one of many great options for the breakout sessions as well. I think there's like a $10 registration fee and you're going to get, I guarantee, at least $10.01 worth of value. So uh, go to conference.calvarychapel.com for more details of that. Okay, so that's, that's the event in the future. Uh, here's what's happening right now. Uh, sit back, relax, and listen in on this conversation that I get to have with Shane England. Welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm here with my friend, Shane Angland. Shane, how are you? I'm great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's, uh, uh, I'm really, really excited to have you here. So I'm 
talking to you over Zoom uh, in uh, Cork, and you are in? Ennis, County Clare. Yeah, so about two hours? About two hours from Cork, yeah. Maybe a little bit longer. On the West Coast. Yes. Um, so, Shane, people might recognize you from my Twitter. <laughs> um, um, probably not, but I was uh, cruising around the internet mm. and then I saw um, your your church has finally started putting, you know, content online or video content online. Yes. And to my, like, joyful surprise, I saw that your Sunday messages were accessible to people who had YouTube. Yeah, and that's right. And and I was like, I was so excited. And it was like maybe I think Sunday night or something like that. <laughs> I was like about to go to bed. And then I was like, oh, a Shane Anglin sermon. <laughs> and so not only did I watch it and enjoy it myself, I also uh, tweeted out and uh, I said, here we have one of Ireland's greatest Bible teachers <laughs> speaking about the greatest event yes. in human history, the resurrection of Jesus. And I got a, a text from somebody um, saying, you surely don't mean that he is the best Bible teacher in all of Ireland. And I said, yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. So that's the, um, I think you need no introduction after, you know, after the that, esteemed Mike mentioned on Twitter. Yeah. That was perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think you're, I think you're a great Bible teacher and Thank I'm you. really excited to talk to you about some of these, um, you know, realities about teaching and growing as a teacher. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the question that I often start off with is asking people, like, what was your first Bible teaching event ever? What was your first sermon or Bible study that you ever taught? Um, the first sermon in a church setting that I can recall is when I was a student in university, our Christian union was asked to, to host a, um, an evening service at Mallow Street Hall in Limerick City, a Brethren Church. And I gave a sermon on Psalm 119, not the whole Psalm, just the section of it. Yeah, uh, looking at verse nine about, you know, how can a young man keep his, his way pure by keeping it according to your word? So looking at the, the importance of scripture in the life of the Christian. And as far as I can recall, it was well received. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, what, what was the, like, how did you feel that it went? Like, what was it like to, let's say, walk down off that podium? Uh, it was a very, it was a very high podium, so there were steps up to it. So that was that was nerve wracking. I was I was proper scared. Um, I I had taught before, but it was only in the context of teaching at Sunday school in my church growing up or um, the youth program. But I'd never I'd never given a sermon on a Sunday, um, so that was the first time I'd ever done that, and I was I was very nervous. Um, it's it's pretty nerve wracking, but everyone was. Everyone was very encouraging and, you know, all the old ladies were smiling and saying how well it went. But I honestly can't remember hardly anything about the content of it. So really, really. Yeah. Well, isn't it isn't it great? I love those. Yeah. The encouragement that we get from people. I mean, your message was about how can a young man I keep know. his way yeah. clean? And it's nice that the old ladies yes. uh, were encouraging. <laughs> and I was I was it was mostly old people. It was. Yeah. The demographic was definitely towards the older side. So yeah, it was a good text to, to have chosen. Hmm. And so you're not, you're not from Limerick, you're from Clare, is that right? Yeah, I'm from Ennis, County Clare. Yeah. So did you have anybody with you that was there as kind of like a, like a mentor or a coach, or were you just kind of assigned to the Sunday morning and then left to go figure it out yourself? Yeah, there wasn't really any mentor. There was a couple of my friends from university that came along with me, but that was it really. Um, we were kind of, we were just invited to, to come along and to lead the service by the church. And okay. yeah, we just went with it. So, uh, so they came with you for the, the preaching event for the Sunday morning. Exactly. Did yeah. anybody help you prepare? No, there was there was okay. no coaching. I just kind of went with it. Yeah. So you've heard sermons before, yeah. and then you created one I, yourself. I, yeah, I, I sort of thought I knew what it should look like, and I had the Bible in front of me, and I just tried to explain what I was reading, and. That's about it. I honestly cannot remember content, what I was talking okay. about, but that, that's the earliest one I can recall. It may or may not have been the earliest, but that's the earliest one that I can recall, certainly. Okay, fantastic. Now, um, how have you like grown since then? So that was when you were a student, obviously, yeah, that was and probably, now you are a, a grown man. Yeah, uh, that was 20 years ago, probably. So, wow, I know. Yeah, it seems so long ago now. 
Um, I, I haven't really been in a position where I've consistently been preaching on, uh, until after I came back uh, from Dallas five years ago. So the period between university and five years ago, I, uh, I was involved in the Christian Union, so I did teaching there, but it, um, I wouldn't even call it a sermon. That, that teaching would have been very topical and very, uh, I guess, hard to define really what it was. And then I did spend a year in Dublin with IFES doing the Relay program. And so we looked at some systematic theology. We did Wayne Grudem during that time. So I think that really is uh, one of the great benefits that I've had is, is just having that teaching, that grounding in, in systematics before I went into the mission field. And I spent four years in Ukraine. Um, and I really wasn't really preaching a lot in Ukraine either. It was mainly um, seminars and youth programs. And the church that I was involved with, they would occasionally ask me to preach, but more often it was that they would ask me to put on some sort of a seminar or some sort of a program of teaching, looking at a specific question, uh, usually something in church history or textual criticism or something like that. So that, that's usually what I was, I was assigned to do. And then I went to seminary and that's, that's really where I, I um, well, actually, before I went to seminary, I came to Cork. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was about to raise my hand and say, hey, <laughs> yeah. aren't you forgetting like yeah. the most important part and of I, your journey? <laughs> yeah, I sat under the great Mike Neglia because when we were finishing, I was married at this stage. And when we were finishing up in Ukraine, I said, OK, Katie, uh, I chose Ukraine when we got married. So it's your choice. Where do we go now? And she said, we, we have to go to Cork. We have to we have to go to Mike's church. And I was like, great. Who is this Mike? No, I had met you before that. But um, yeah, so we spent uh how long was it in Cork? Two years? More. I think longer. I, I'm not, I'm, I was actually hoping you would know because I was trying to think of the, the timeline before this yeah. call started. And I thought, ah, oh, Shane will know. Maybe, maybe three, three years or so. Yeah. yeah in Cork City, uh, attending Calvary Cork. And then I went to, to Dallas, the seminary. Yeah. Right. And so, and then, yeah, so during those years in Cork, um, you were... We elderized you. You were yes. an elder, I think, for yep. the final mm -hmm. year or so. Yeah. And then it was a, a brief term because, yeah, you were yeah. headed off to, to Dallas straight afterwards. Yes. And then four years in Dallas, is that right? Yeah, four years. Yeah. And now back to Ennis. Now back to Ennis, to my home church. And I'm an elder there now. And I'm probably taking the, the majority of the teaching at the moment anyway, certainly, just with the, the online COVID-19 situation. Yeah. 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 So actually, what's the date today? It's always good to date these the date things. The date is the 13th. It's, yeah. 13th of uh, May. Of, uh, May. Yeah. I mean, what is time? Know, what are exactly. days? It's, <laughs> it's all just relevant. one long yeah. existence. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's the 13th of May. Okay. So yeah. So I, I discovered, I found it uh, online yep. and that you're doing, yeah, John mm. on Sunday mornings. Is that every single Sunday? Are you like the main Sunday preacher now? Um, we do have a team of teachers. So we generally try to teach from our own, our own book. So I'm, I'm teaching through the Gospel of John and that's maybe two Sundays out of, out of every month. And then we have um, some other guys and they're teaching through some of the pastoral epistles and also uh second samuel so it's a mix mm. but yeah when okay. i'm teaching it's from the gospel of john yeah and you do the tuesday night roman study is that yeah, right yeah primarily so we do we do get other guys teaching romans as well on tuesday night but it's it's the majority and certainly at the moment it's it, i'm doing all of the online sessions yeah true book of romans yeah okay okay is it because you're the guy that has the webcam uh, is it the guy um it's probably i better be careful here but some of the elders maybe are not as technologically savvy, but I am so not yeah, technologically so you're the savvy at camp, all. Yeah. So it just shows you where we're coming from. Well, I was watching along your the, the Roman study and you had like the, the bottom third, you had questions yeah. on the screen. So you're, you're doing well. Well, yeah, that's, that's just a, an online program that I use, but it's honestly, it's, it's been a huge learning curve for me, definitely. And it's, it's quite uncomfortable to, to sit and teach because just the way I'm set up in my house, I'm in the spare room with, with my books and I have a really small, narrow writing desk. And on top of that then is my laptop propped on some books. So I'm, I'm pretty confined and it, it does feel a bit unnatural to, to sit down and teach, but 
you get used to it. Well, yeah, on the one hand, you do get used to it. I'm actually finding with each week that goes by, I'm mm. finding it harder and harder personally. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, because well, we don't, we don't do it live. Um, so there's no, there's right. no interaction there. I'm not seeing any comments or anything. Okay. Yeah. I go into an empty room, preach to a camcorder on, oh, yeah. you know, Thursday or Friday. Mm. And then, you know, at the end pray and then awkwardly walk over to the camcorder, turn it off <laughs> and then upload yeah. the files. Uh, it's, and I just, yeah, it's, yeah, there's not, I don't even get like a thumbs up or anything like that at the yeah. end. You're just preaching into the abyss i know and in a few days people will interact with it but it's a but i guess that's the question too are we doing it for the approval or the thumbs up or yeah that, that is a good point yeah we are trying to to bring the word as best we can i i, I wanted to go live though because when, when i was discussing this with the elders at the church um they were they were keen to maybe pre-record but i was trying to push for live a live stream because i thought it might just connect with people better but it's it's a bit nerve-wracking when the technology lets you down and you know you've all these other added stresses then on top of it so it's been it's been a huge learning curve trying to get through it yeah 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 and maybe not so much for ireland but for more uh churched time zones um sunday mornings there's just everybody's live streaming and yeah. I, I know there's like some problems with youtube um, yeah. from mm. from everyone live streaming at once yeah. um but anyway we're we're on a on a tangent so so shane how have you like grown as a bible teacher like what are the the mistakes that you made earlier on you didn't really say any of the mistakes that you were making you just said that you taught psalm 119 the old ladies liked it and that was it but yeah. certainly you've you've grown and improved like what's what are the the things that you say looking back over 20 years that are like well yeah. i wish i started doing x y or z earlier that's that's good um the things that have helped me are probably my own growing in an understanding of theology and you know that it's not really the technique of how to deliver a sermon um i've taken homiletics classes i i did horrible in them i didn't really enjoy them but where where i draw from most is really the the grounding in theology so obviously as a younger as a younger christian you know um I'm sure there was many things that I was not able to articulate or fully express or even understand myself in my teaching. And that certainly comes across. And so hopefully I've, I've grown better in that area. Um, nervousness is, is probably one of the big ones. I think I'm probably less nervous now than I was initially. So that certainly helps. And I asked, I asked Katie, you know, you know, what, what is the, what is the, worst sermon I've ever given or whatever. Yeah. But uh, she, she loves that question because she knows she can, she can tease me. Um, but she said it was actually probably one, one of the sermons I gave in Calvary Cork when, no. <laughs> when I was covering for you one Sunday. And she said, she said I was because I was so nervous. I wasn't making any sense. I, it was just like words, but there was no meaning. So that, that, I, I, don't, I have no recollection of that. Really? Yeah. Because I, I would, I would have listened. And I, huh, yeah. I don't recall any of them. I don't being recall. I, particularly I think she's meaningless. Just, yeah, she's just making that up totally. But no, <laughs> nerves is a huge thing because yeah, you fail to communicate. You fail to, <coughs> you know, to have that authoritative um, voice that you you really should be speaking forth. You know, with confidence and assurance, the things that you are preaching. So nerves is, is a huge thing for me. That I'm, I think I'm still nervous when I teach, but probably less so now. You know, I don't think anyone has ever uh, brought that up. Okay. Yeah. How does how does nervousness like express itself for you? You become tongue-tied. You become completely conscious of yourself, and the focus really isn't even on ministering to the people in front of you. It's trying to get out of this situation that you feel incredibly uncomfortable in, and so it it yeah. The focus really becomes on self ra rapidly. For myself, anyway, I, I find that if I'm nervous, it's you, all you can do is is think about yourself, and your whole focus is on yourself. And the correct posture, I think, in preaching is obviously you're you're presenting to this flock before you the the mystery of God's word, and and you are 
you're not that you're not the center of attention you shouldn't be it's the message that you're trying to bring to people and nerves can be a huge hindrance i think in that more so even than you know skilled rhetorical ability or anything like that i mean if there is if there's nerves i think it can really it can really impact the way that the the message is brought across i think for me anyway yeah isn't it interesting because i wholeheartedly agree we don't want to be the center of attention yeah but yet an onlooker if, if an alien were to fly in and, and observe our meetings mm. they'd say look there's there's one man standing up front yeah speaking loudly insisting that everyone look at him that person wants everyone to be paying attention to him but the, yeah. the reality is yeah. that paradoxically we actually we, we just want to speak clearly yeah. so that the, the message of god's truth can communicate to people sure. and they can have interaction with god himself via his word absolutely communicated by you it is it is a paradox but it's like it's like if if this alien came to a restaurant and everyone is seated at a table and this man walks over to the table and everyone looks at him. This man is so important. No, he's the waiter. And, you know, I, I think Augustine said, I'm the one bringing the food to you this morning. I'm not the master of the feast. You know, I'm bringing you what gives me life, this food, the word of God. So, yeah, it is paradoxical because we're the ones up there on the front. But the posture we have is that, you know, we are the, the servant bringing the food. And it's it's what we're presenting is is really the heart of it. It's not it's not the person standing up there. It's 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 really it's much bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah, man, wholeheartedly agree. Um, so, I mean, this is very nuts and bolts, but like, how have you overcome nervousness? How do you hope to continue to overcome nervousness? Um, I think maybe my view of, of preaching has has developed. Um, less towards my own ability and more towards the actual reality of the the power of God's word and and the mystery of preaching. I mean, the paradox of of preaching that here is here is a man entrusted with the word of God to bring it to to mm -hmm. God's people and you know the reality that God has spoken. I think the confidence that I have as a teacher is it's not in the the ability that I that I think I may or may not have. It's probably in my own growing realization that the position of the one preaching is wholly dependent on the power of God. And in that there is, there is nothing to be afraid of. It's, it's a position of complete reliance on God and his ability to, to radically speak and to change and to bring to life. And I think as I grow in my own ability to understand that, as I grow in my own realization that I'm wholly reliant on God's grace for that, it's, that's where the power comes from, you know? Um, yeah, I think so. So nothing like picturing them in their underwear or anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> You're actually, going. that was probably my first answer. Yeah. <laughs> picturing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's the, it's the problem and the promise of preaching, which is the problem is that we are, we're sinful, we're vain. We don't know everything. We get things wrong. And the promise is that God's word changes lives and he entrusts, you know, men that are equipped to, to do this. And that is, that is the, I don't know, the, the craziness, the, the, the paradox, the dialectic, however you want to describe it, is you have this, the problem and the promise. You have our own standing as fallible uh, people that do get embarrassed and are self-conscious and don't know everything and do make mistakes. And you have the promise that God is with us and that God is speaking and that God is working and changing lives. And yeah, that's, that's huge. And that's, and that's, that is unique. That is the, the mystery of, of the church and how God is, is changing people is through the word. Wow. Well, Shane, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that is good. Um, and isn't it, there's almost, uh, to borrow a phrase from, I think, Timothy Keller, he, he talks about the, the freedom of self-forgetfulness. Hmm. And, you know, to jump back a few moments ago, talking about nervousness, yeah, when you're yeah. nervous, you're incredibly aware of yourself. You're yeah. thinking about yourself hmm. and the syllables that you're, and yeah. what you're doing with your hands, you're aware of them. But there is, and I've hmm. heard some, there's kind of a freedom that comes upon you sometimes. Yeah. When all of a sudden, 
it's just it's just you mm. and the text and the people and and like you almost kind of fade away oh yeah and yeah. like your articulation raises mm. and there's not a drop of like you're just like full of like holy spirit confidence yeah and and i love when that happens and sometimes i wish i could start like that but often it usually comes a few minutes into it oh yeah completely i remember one time i was at my home church going up to 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 preach and my brother said your flies open and i i just stepped up and I, I was facing congregation and I, I didn't know what to do. And he just did that to trip me up. So the power oh. of forgetting oneself was not evident at that moment for me. <laughs> uh, bless his heart. That's a, a, hilar a hilarious joke. <laughs> Got me. Good one. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. So so as I discovered you on on YouTube, I was I was uh, excited. I think it was mm. if, if memory serves, I think it was like the it was Easter evening. And okay. I think you were like preaching on the resurrection okay. from John's gospel or um, and then I was like, oh, that's a, that's great. And then I realized, no, this isn't. Uh, was it not Easter? Was it? Whatever the 26th was. OK, Um well, whatever. Anyway, I discovered yeah. you were teaching from John's gospel yeah. and I was really excited yeah. because I'm teaching from John's gospel nice. too. Mm. And the best of both worlds is that you're almost done and I'm just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's a really exciting thing to have you um, as a trailblazer going before. Yeah. And, and funny enough, actually, uh, let me just pause this parenthetically. So you're teaching John and Romans, yeah. um, which in, have been like in my mind, those were the two books that I taught when I first like took over or replanted yeah. Calvary Cork. Yeah. First book I taught as like a 21 year old, newly ordained pastor, yeah. way too young, way too dumb, but I taught John. Mm. And then afterwards I taught Romans mm. and you know, I was a wiser, like 22 year old, you know? <laughs> and for all these years, yeah. I thought I, I'd love to teach John over again because I think I, I've certainly grown as as a student of God's word, as a teacher of God's word. I'd love to have another crack at it. And then Romans is kind of the next one too. So you, you're doing my two like peaks right now. Wow. Yeah, it's those are two beautiful books. What can I say? Absolutely. Yeah, and and I, I like. I was too eager. I, I was like, oh, I want them both now. <laughs> when really I should have like said, hey, listen, Mike, you got to grow up a bit before you can yeah. do justice wow. to to those things. And who knows, I'm, I'm 37 now. Maybe when I'm 57, yeah. I'll do John again and I'll yeah. do it right that time. But I, I'm really enjoying it right now. It's it's oh, it's it's wonderful. It's mm. a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, what what did you were you assigned that book or did you choose it? What brought you to to John? No, I, I chose it. Um, it is probably, you know, it's one of my favorite portions of scripture. Um, just wanted to, I wanted in, I suppose in one sense to pick something easy and, and the gospels more or less preach themselves, I feel. So it, the gospel of John is, I, I thought it would be anyway, something straightforward that I could just set off on, on a journey and just take my time and, you know, uh, preach it as best as I could with God's help. But I too mm. would like to return to John at some stage. And I'm, I'm approaching the end of it now. And there's, yeah, I think coming back to it again would be nice in a couple of years, maybe a couple of decades, maybe. That'd right. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I'll see you there. Maybe. <laughs> nice. um, what's, what have you, what, yeah. And, and funny enough, like, again, I'm bad with the dates. You weren't at Calvary Cork while I was teaching John. No, were you? But that was, I'm not sure if Katie was my wife. You know what? Yeah. I yeah. Think, Katie was. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So she was there the first time, which I, I made a hames of it. I'm sure I did such a bad job. And uh, but yeah, she came back. <laughs> yeah. She had good things to say. <laughs> so, yeah. Who knows? We're often our own, our own harshest critics sometimes. Hmm. Um, so what's something like I, I, I spoke to you couple you know days ago or weeks yeah. ago about the your john resources that have been most helpful mm. and you said that augustine and is it carson yeah have been your two go-to's this yes. time through yeah i started off really reading a lot of commentaries and i just began to call as i went along because they more or less plagiarize each other certainly evangelical commentaries almost word for word so yeah if you can get a good exegetical commentary yeah. often that is that is what you will you know 
you more or less find the same thing repeated in other commentaries of the same genre in, within within a you know a, a school of theology within evangelicalism I'm primarily referring to. But um, so I've I've Carson who is a modern evangelical, and then I've something from the the fourth century Augustine and his sermons in the Gospel of John. Uh, that's pretty much it, really. Uh, like in terms of commentaries, yeah, that's that's where I'm I'm pretty much drawing most from at the moment. Yeah, I also do use the that sort of encyclopedia of quotations in the New Testament used to the Old Testament quotations. Yeah, which yeah. is a great resource, by the way. Really good. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, the ACCNT, the Ancient Christian Commentary on the New Testament. Yes, yeah, that's it. Yes, yes, yeah. That's that's come up before in previous um, episodes. People, it's a, it's like a hidden gem. Uh, but uh, yeah, but I'm I'm talking. I'm actually that is a good resource. But oh, oh. the one I'm talking about is uh, oh commentary the on one? the New Testament's use of the Old Testament. Oh 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 oh. oh. With uh, is that G.K. Beale? I think. Yeah, I or, think so. Uh, it's back there somewhere. Okay. 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 Carson's one of the editors on that as well, actually. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. No, sorry. Okay. No, that, okay. That, that is a good resource, particularly in the Gospel of John, because so much of the Old Testament is just enmeshed into John's narrative and into into the teaching of Christ. And uh, you know, if you're trying to understand context and what what's going on, a, a good commentary like that is invaluable. I think. Yeah, I think you let me borrow that for a few years. Is that right? I believe I have it on my shelf, so I must have got it back. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. When, when you moved to Dallas, yeah. I'm just telling the listeners, obviously you know this, but yeah, you, you bequeathed me like a hundred oh. books or so, um, just to hang on until you came back. You and were a so, good steward. You looked after them well for me. Thank you. Well, you also gave me like a, a printout <laughs> to make sure Did that I? they never got like mixed. Yeah. You gave like a, like oh, a wow. laminated printout of all the books. <laughs> laminated. Like, I, I'm entrusting you with this, but I'm not trusting you that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all have an individual tracking device on them or something. Okay. Yeah. So I think they all made it back, back yeah, home thanks. safely. But yeah. There's, so there's a few books that like, yeah, I would have dipped in over the years mm. and they lived on my bookshelf for all those years. So I felt like they were mine. And then every once in a while I go to reach and yeah. they're not there anymore. Um, so yeah, with uh, what, so yeah, two things. So I, I did an interview recently with uh, Dr. Ian Clary, and yeah. he spoke really highly of D.A. Carson's commentary on John. Okay, and, yeah. and so have you. What is so good about it? I, I'm, I'm using it too. I enjoy it. But why? If you, you said, essentially, you're only going to have one evangelical, modern evangelical commentary, and you've chosen that one. So why, why is that? Uh, I find it's a critical commentary. So he's looking at a lot of issues that you probably won't bring to your sermon, in, you know, ironically. He's looking at a lot of, of critical issues to do with modern scholarship, uh, text criticism, source criticism, but having a, a really thorough understanding of, of those is helpful. But he does a really good job, too, in just exegeting and explaining the text as it is. And so, you know, that helps avoid pitfalls of, you know, you know bad exegesis, bad interpretation. So he's a good guide, I think, definitely. Augustine is good because he, you know, he's coming from a patristic setting um, and so he has some some really nice applications in terms of phrase and pastoral insights that maybe Carson wouldn't necessarily bring to the table as much because that's not that's not what he's setting out to do in writing a, a critical commentary hmm yeah I find Carson is kind of warm sometimes there, there'd be some warmth or some a little devotional thought here and there but here it's not there. really what he set out to be no yeah, it's he, not. he sneaks yeah. it in there he smug he smuggles it in sure yeah it's incidental it's sort of yeah tangential to his his purpose but he does a really good job on what he's he's setting out to do which is a critical commentary yeah okay uh have like what's been the experience of actually preaching john have you in like so we're talking on the back end of mm. the resources that you're looking through yeah. have you enjoyed preaching it or yeah, back when you used to be, see people's faces um has it been received well by the congregation there yeah i oh, i've i've really enjoyed it i mean i've i've learned so much I've, yeah, for myself, I've benefited it. And I think people in, in the church have, have been blessed and the feedback has definitely been encouraging. Um, yeah, I was just struck, you know, at the, the, when I started off on the, on the series of John, when I looked at the prologue, um, I was just struck that the gospel begins with, with God. 
in, in John in such a profound way. And I think that's kind of been the overriding theme for me in, in the Gospel of John as I've, as I've preached it is for John, the Gospel is, is much more of a story than simply the problem of sin and the problem of humanity. It, this, the Gospel begins with God and his very being and unfolds from that reality. And that's been really, that's been really exciting, definitely. Um, yeah, it's good. Hey, great. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going a little bit over time already. I want to be respectful of, of your that's time. Fine. But hey, what's your like weekly sermon prep rhythm look okay. like? Yeah. And, so, and, you're, and you're bivocational. So I think yes, that also I was going to bring that up. Worth, yeah. yeah, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are bivocational. And I've gotten some people feeding back to say, you know, isn't it great that some people have 40 hours to only devote to their sermon, but what about the rest of us? <laughs> so, yeah. I, so I, how do you make I'm it work? Bivocational. So the, the bulk of my work week is, is a job outside of our church ministry. Um, so I tend, if I can to work two hours, um, Monday to Friday in sermon prep. So usually from seven to 9 PM and it's it, it can be difficult there are obviously you know life is never that straightforward so there are, it, it is difficult to find the time sometimes but um my my preparation will begin with you know obviously reading the text i i always will read the text in greek just because i'm trying to maintain my greek studies from seminary and it really slows me down and you know it forces me to try to understand the text on a very basic level. I mean, what are the words communicating? And, and that's just a discipline I, I do. I'm, I'm reading the text in Greek. The first step that I take in preparing a sermon is to look at any text critical issues. And that's before I'm, I'm looking at commentaries or, or even, you know, trying to get my theological proposition. What is the sermon about? What is that key point that I'm trying to communicate? I look at any textual critical issues that may affect translations because that may affect the sermon delivery when people are reading from a New King James or an NIV and I'm reading from ESV because in our church we don't necessarily have a standard Bible so some people will use NIV and others uh, New King James or whatever so I have to be aware of that because you know that has happened before you know where you try to make a point and people are like looking at something completely different in their text so hmm. it's something to be aware of um, and then I guess having read the text, having decided where I'm going to stop, you know, what is that passage of scripture I'm focusing on? I try to keep them a small, a self-contained pericope or section. And then I just look for what is the, what is my theological proposition? What is the sermon about? What key teaching is John trying to communicate? And if I have that, then I will, you know, go read my, my uh, commentaries and see, you know, what do they bring to the table? I'm very poor at structuring sermons and, and you're probably aware of that just looking at my notes. But the thing is, it's not, it's something I find really difficult. And I, I don't know if this is the way my, my mind works, but when I was in seminary, they, it was very structured. It was very much, you know, three points, you know, you start off with a, an image or, a, you know, a nice introduction. You have your three points, yeah. you have your, your transitions and then your application conclusion and all that. I just, I, I, I don't structure my sermons like that at all, really. Um, it's, I think introductions are, you probably, I, you may disagree with this. I think introductions are, are a total waste of time. <gasps> um, <laughs> Shame. I know. I, that's this just my opinion going, though. It was, it was going so good up until now. <laughs> <laughs> I just think. I used to spend a lot of time trying to formulate a a, a meaningful introduction and it yeah. just it seemed like such a waste of time and so my introductions now are are very very pithy it's usually what happened in the previous section and then we just go yeah. straight into the text and that's just yeah. i find it difficult to try and formulate that but um yeah and that's that's it really i try to find my main points my my theological proposition I look at the text and I try to just deliver that simply as best I can without a massive introduction. Okay. Do you have a, a conclusion? I'm beginning to think conclusions are a waste of time as well. 
I take I take it all back, Shane. You I'm are, sorry, man. You are an average preacher you in see, Ireland. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> conclusions for me. Yes. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get better at them. To be honest, I'm trying not to to arrive at a conclusion and try to salvage everything and you know, make it applicable and make it relevant. Um, because I have a, I have a tendency to do that too, not to not to arrive at a meaningful application of the text until the conclusion. But I'm trying to be more um, attentive to the the text as I'm going through it and how it applies, as opposed to just tagging that on at the end. But that's that's something I'm I'm trying to get better at. But yeah, I think if you if you look at my sermons or whatever, the the instructions are not really there and. The conclusions aren't very elaborate either. I'm trying to just maybe focus as best I can on on the text itself and try to to hammer away at that that theological point or that that uh, that proposition that the text is is bringing forth. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, what do you, like this is the expositors collective, Mike. You mean <laughs> the, the, yeah, well, the introduction actually, conclusion? That's probably the key. So is it? I'm I'm trying to bite my tongue because I, know, I didn't you have see? you on here so I could give you advice. You know, I'm here to, to highlight what, no, what you have. I'm 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 asking you, man, what what's the story with a good introduction? Okay. Well, okay. I don't think you need them, you know, if you have like devoted hearers who are mm. like enthusiastic yeah. and are like, all right, you know, Pastor Shane's here. Did they call you Pastor Shane? No. Elder Shane? Just Shane. Yeah. They don't yeah. yeah, titles aren't really a thing in this country. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, I, I think people people that are dialed in, people that are like like one of the highlights of their week is hearing the sermon. They don't need an introduction, you know. Yeah. They just want to hear hear God's word. But not everyone in your church is like that. Yes, and I, I think we it, it's a an analogy that I've used. I, maybe it's from Haddon Robinson, or maybe I made it up. It's probably from him. <laughs> but you know, I think like a it's a conductor like. Mm saying, Hey, everyone all aboard, like this train is going to Dublin. Who want, if you want to come to Dublin, come mm. on, you know? Yeah. And so it's just, it's inviting people onto the train and mm. people have, a, you know, I, I think the average hearer who is, let's say coming from, you know, not a place of faith or, or yeah. a secular thinking person, or even just a, an attention deficit person, you yeah. know? Yeah. Not with any diagnosis or anything, but people, all of us, we have short attention spans yeah. these days. Mm -hmm. It's just saying, hey, here's where we're going. And I'd like to invite you to join me yes. in this. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of an in invitational thing. Mm -hmm. it, it could just be very short, just, yeah, an image, a story, um, posing a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, this is this is something that I, I, I enjoy doing is to say, hey, you know how you know, nothing ever satisfies or, you know, you, you can tell a story. I, I really wanted to get this new, whatever. It didn't satisfy me. And guys, isn't that the case? Don't things often satisfy? Well, you know, we're going to meet a lady today and she has not been satisfied by anything. Mm -hmm. She's going to encounter Jesus. Okay. Now turn with me to John four. Yeah. Just doing that is kind of saying, Hey, I want to, I want to announce where I'm going and bring you along yeah. with me on the process. And that's really good. And I, I think I need to take more of that on board because I just find it it, it it's difficult for me to to speak like that and to be creative that way yeah hmm. i find it much well, easier just what i yeah what i enjoy, sorry to interrupt but what i enjoy yeah. about your your sermons why i like it so much is because they are and i think this is the right word they are just doxological like i find mm. that as like I, I i find hearing a shane england sermon to just be like worship i i just am like rejoicing like often you know as i'm just like as you're just pointing something out drawing out a simple application yeah you all you often have a tangent on well this manuscript is missing this half of a <laughs> yes. verse and this and and but then but then it kind of comes together and it's like okay. oh. um so i find i often am like you know under my breath like gasping or then also like <laughs> like praising god you know so there's this like doxological mm. focus and i don't want to encourage you to like yeah, to remove that with like, instead of doxological, let's just have it be three tips for a healthy finances and they all start yeah, with P yeah. and let's start with yes, a, a yeah. catchy intro and a funny joke. Mm. Um, I think that there's ways though to just do little tiny things to invite yeah. people along and say, here's where we're going, mm -hmm. come with me. 
yeah, and that that is the beauty of being able to talk, you know, to a fellow preacher about these things, and that's why it's so helpful is be able to to have constructive feedback and that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And this could be an old. I I I know, I've spent yeah. I know someone who's graduated from from Dallas Seminary, yeah. and I, I I think that their homiletical course, at least back then, was quite famous uh-huh. for certain structures. Yeah. And this guy followed that structure to a T. Yeah, um, you know, with every single point having an, illustri- an illustration. Yeah, yeah, and not the way that this guy preached it. Not a single illustration came from his life, yeah. or it, it was it was. Um, Kind of like uh, you'd get almost like whiplash from listening because he'd go, he you know, he'd read a verse, he'd talk about the verse, he'd bring out a truth, yes, and then he'd say, and then he'd tell a story about you know a missionary in um, in Cambodia and something yeah. they discovered that illustrated that, and then he'd read the next verse, bring out the point, mm-hmm. and then tell a story about um, Woodrow Wilson and a pocket watch that he used to own, and then and then she's like, yeah. bing, bong, bing, bong, bing, everything is illustrated, but it's not it's not connecting, you know. Just, now, I don't know, seemed, and, yeah. and you might, you know, Dallas people might be listening to this, and perhaps he is missing the point. Maybe, uh, but I think maybe, there maybe is I was missing a, the point um, too. Could be, yeah. <laughs> I probably missed it in a big way. Um, but yeah, it's that's something I struggle with too. Is I spent so much time in in my homiletics courses just trying to come up with interesting stories, and hmm. just I felt like it was not really where I wanted to be. I wanted just to be hmm. talking about what the text was saying and tried to, yeah, yeah. focus on it. But the it. reality is, like, this book is an interesting story. You, you know, know what? You're standing yeah. there with your Bible open trying to think of an interesting story. And that is, you know, know, this story of stories. But what does it say about our, even our view of, of preaching, if we, if our, if the door we open, if the introduction is trying to, you know, garner people's attention by just a, a witty anecdote you know i just mm. i don't know yeah. about that or is it you know is the power of preaching just that you know we we exalt god as he's manifest himself in the text and yeah you do need application you do need relevance you do need to to be able to apply that to the situation in front of you but i think sometimes i felt like i was just trying to be creative for the sake of it almost, you know, as opposed to just letting scripture really become the, the center stage. But that's my own, my own personality too. I'm not a very creative person at all. Hmm. So hmm. some people excel in that. Some people do, but I'm not, I'm not a very creative person. Yeah. And yeah. something that Katie said to me as well, comes back to your point though, about introductions. Uh, Katie was saying that the way we're putting our NS evangelical church the way we're putting our, our teaching online and stuff there are other people watching it that that may not even have a, a very basic foundation in in stuff so you need to be aware of that and like like you were saying to to lay it out and to you know here's where we're going to go and i want you to come with me and lay it out for them so that's something i need to be aware of more because even with this new online forum that we're using at the moment people might eat, not even have the most that I would think, you know, basic understanding of the Gospel of John, they may have, you know, that may be utterly foreign territory for them. So, you know, you need to bring them along as well. So that's, that's important, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Something that uh, Nick Katie has said, and he's, I mentioned him earlier, he's the, one of our steering committee, the guy that planted the churches in um, Eastern Europe. But he says that preaching is an act of, of showing love for God and love for people. Mm. And, um, and because we love God, we want it to be accurate to his word. Because we love people, we want it to be accessible to all that are that are hearing. And again, we find ourselves in this unusual situation where we don't even know the people that are watching us. Yeah. You know, We know the core, of course, but if we're putting stuff online, it could be accessible in Bangladesh or yeah, in, in any number of places too. And we don't want to qualify everything to death or explain, you know, explain everything ad nauseum, but also realizing too, this is going to go beyond just our immediate context. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I know that you have to um, get to work on sermon prep 
in two hours. And that, you, that, that leaves you with a very shallow window to be able to see Katie and, um, Daisy, and your daughter, yeah. Daisy. Yes. I was like, I knew it's a flower. It's, I, I'm pretty sure it's Daisy. <laughs> um, um, I have a daughter called Rosie. So we yes. just uh, name our daughters after flowers. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thank you so much, Shane. And yeah. um, I, I'll put links to where people can find um, the resources you've mentioned, the Carson mm -hmm. and the, what's the name of the, um, uh, Augustine book? Is there just a collection of his sermons? Yeah, but it's it's free. It's free online. It's from the uh, Anti-Nicene Fathers Series 1. Okay. So you'll find so we'll that put a link to that. Yeah. And Tractate also the to uh, the church. Um, final word of wisdom to the listeners, to the Expositors Collective? Um, Anything well, you wanted me to ask you, but I didn't? No, just thank you, Mike, because I, I sat under your teaching for a number of years and you've blessed me tremendously with your pastoral care and your teaching so thank you for that it's been much appreciated and i still obviously appreciate you um any parting words of wisdom yeah just that we are we are the servants bringing the food and it's the master's banquet and we need to we need to feed in order to bring the food as well so you know that's important for us to be nourished as we approach the word not just as a an academic or as a as a thing we need to get done, but as an act of worship. And yeah, it's exciting. It's beautiful. And God's word is incredibly powerful. It's, it's doesn't need to be protected or improved. It just needs to be honored and to be expounded accurately. Yeah. And introduced. <laughs> and with a pithy, pithy introduction. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Shane. I, I yes. appreciate that. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. I mean, there's a lot of warmth and camaraderie. Uh, Shane and I have, uh, yeah, been through stuff. We've served uh, in the trenches uh, next to each other. And I think that comes through in that conversation. You know, I don't know if I was able to convince him that he needs to start doing introductions and conclusions to his sermons. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, feel free to connect with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, We're on all of those venues. And maybe more to the point, we do have a Facebook private group, which is a great opportunity for us to talk about each of these episodes um, within this uh, community of the Expositors Collective. And so if you think that I did a bad job of convincing him of the need for introductions, um, why don't you just join our Facebook group and we could talk about it. Uh, if you think that there's something I should have said instead. Uh, anyway, if you're on Facebook, you can look for Expositors Collective and two things will come up. Number one, there's going to be the Expositors Collective page, which is just like a public page where there's graphics and links that go up. But there also is a private group and that one's called Expositors Collective uh, Christ-focused uh, text-based um, Bible teachers or something to that extent. If you request to join that group, then I'll add you. And we have good ongoing discussions about the episodes or even questions about growing as a preacher. So if you like the monologue and you wanna kick it up to a dialogue, that's a great way where you can interact with the steering committee and many other people who are just trying to get better at our personal study and our public proclamation of God's word. Uh, maybe see you there, but even if not, I hope you have a great week.